Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Today, we're going to be bringing some things out of hiding into the light. A lot of people, especially when you get around religious stuff, especially on church stuff, and for some reason, especially around Christianity, a lot of people conceal and hide questions that they have. And what our goal today, and what our goal is in this new series we're calling Asking for a Friend, is to encourage us to bring all of our questions that we've been hiding, that we're scared to ask, nervous to ask, ashamed to ask, and bring them out into the light. Because I want to tell you an important truth about growing in the Christian faith. Questions are good. Questions are good. I don't know what religious background or religious experience that you have. A lot of people have experiences that tell them questioning is bad. Having doubts is bad. Processing these things is bad. Asking further questions is bad. I'm here to tell you today, questions are not bad. Questions are good. And in fact, if you learn to ask questions and ask even better questions, it will grow your relationship with God and it will grow your faith. Did you know that Jesus in the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which those are just ancient biographies of the life of Jesus. Did you know that Jesus was asked 187 questions? And did you know, in response, he asked back 307 questions of his own. Jesus apparently loves questions. And so I'm here to tell you today, if you have questions about Christianity, about church, about faith, about Jesus, I'm here to tell you today, you're in great company. And Jesus welcomes those who have questions. A theme verse for the series comes from Matthew. Again, one of the four Gospels, the ancient biographies of Jesus. It comes from Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. And so this is Jesus here, and he's teaching. He said this. In fact, let's read this all together. And if you're online with us, let's read this out loud wherever you're at as well. Ready, go. And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The key phrase in these verses that Jesus is giving here and that Jesus is referencing is love the Lord your God. It's the last phrase, with all your mind. Faith is not just this lovey-dovey, spiritual, emotional thing that you check your mind at the door. Jesus says, if you want to follow me and learn to walk in my ways and learn how to love God the Father the way I'm teaching and modeling for you, don't check your brain at the door. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. Bring all of yourself to Jesus. He doesn't want just part of yourself. He wants all of yourself, including your mind, including your intellect, including, yes, your questions. You don't have to check your brain at the door. Christianity, as it turns out, can hold intellectual water and welcomes it. So we're going to be asking over the next several weeks lots of different questions and commonly asked questions. If you're on our social media channels, you've seen some of those that we've been popping up and asking people to submit some of their own questions. But we're going to look at some questions like this. What happens when we die? We're going to ask the question a lot of people ask, why do bad things happen to good people? Why is there pain and suffering in the world? And we're going to ask several other ones. But today, here's the question that we're going to ask about uh, faith and about Christianity. It's this. How can I know God's plan for me? This is one of the most 
commonly asked questions of the Christian faith when we're doing our data and doing our study and asking around and even doing online research. This is the most common Googled questions about faith and Christianity and God altogether. How can I know God's plan for me? So I have my assignment on this NAPS Sunday to go ahead and talk to all of you, everybody online, everybody at previous service, and everybody who's watching this all, everywhere. It's a thousand plus people to give them their own personalized life plan for God's personal plan just for them. Feel bad for me. Ugh. I'm just kidding. But we're going to talk about this concept of God's plan and for our lives, for your life. Now, we're going to read lots of different scriptures. Usually in um, our messages, we pick one passage of scripture and take the layers off of that and dive deep there. But across this topical series, we have to grab a lot of different scriptures. So we're going to read a lot of different passages today. However, there's going to be one anchor one we're going to come back to at the very end of the message, and we're going to have it here on the screen here. This is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And this is what it says. Trust and the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Would you pray with me? So Jesus, we come... Now we thank you for the moments where you've already been with us with your presence here this morning. We felt your presence here with us. We don't, we didn't need to beg you to meet with us this morning. You were waiting for us to come into your presence. And I thank you that you've been um, touching us already this morning and you're at work in our midst. And we worship you today because you are the God of questions. And you're not the God who shames or shuns the skeptic or the doubter or even the one who's too nervous to ask a question. Because with you, and Lord, I believe this, um, I've never seen you shame anyone for asking a question. And in your presence, there's no such thing as a stupid question. It's because of your great kindness. And so uh, we bring our questions into your presence now. Would you grow our faith, grow our trust, grow our relationship with you, grow our love for you. Give us grace to love you with all of our minds, as well as our heart and our souls and our strength. And Lord, for the person who's navigating faith here today too, would you warm their hearts for your plan for their life? In Jesus' name I pray and everyone said, amen. Okay, so God's plan, here we go. This concept is not just a Christian thing or a religious thing or a spiritual thing. This is all over our culture. Okay, by a show of hands, who knows who Drake is? All my young people are very great. All my young people raise their hands. If you don't know who Drake is, no shame. Drake is one of the most popular, uh, biggest, arguably the biggest rapper in the world right now. Now, if you grew up, like when I grew up, the biggest rappers in the world were Tupac and Biggie and all that stuff. It's now, like, it's now Drake. He's one, he is the dude right now. If you go on Spotify, which if you're new to digital media, Spotify is how people listen to music now. Pastor Trevor, don't come against my 8-track. I'm not coming against your 8-track. Okay. <laughs> But if you look on Spotify or on Apple Music, Drake's number one song, do you know what it's called? God's Plan. God's Plan. In fact, if you look up the statistics on it, on Spotify alone, Drake's song, God's Plan, has been listened to 1.9 billion 
times. Billion with a B on Spotify alone. Now, this song is not a great theological treatise about the plans of God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the father of Jesus Christ. No. Um, when Drake is rapping about God's plan, when other athletes reference, man, it's God's plan, I don't think they're having some deep concept. What they're really talking about is what they think is fate. Something awesome happens, some blessing happens, some victory happens, some win happens that they have in their life. You go, man, it's God's plan. Is that really what the Bible talks about? Is God's plan? Um, I'm um, speaking of the Avengers, the picture I showed a little bit ago. I'm a huge Marvel nerd. Where are my other Marvel nerds? Nerds unite. We'll pull in our retainers later and talk comic books later and stuff. So, I don't know where they came from. Sorry. Anyway, um, so there's a new trailer that came out this week for a Marvel movie, which is the most lucrative movie franchise of all time. It's just not some comic bird, comic nerd thing. The Marvel franchise has made more money than any other movie franchise ever in history. It's a big, big deal. And so the new trailer for Thor 4, it's called Thor Love and Thunder. It came out this week and it's a big deal. This trailer in 24 hours, in one day, this trailer was viewed 209 million times in 24 hours. Now, why am I talking to you about this? Because I'm a nerd, and I was watching the trailer, because I like it, but then this popped up on the screen. It's the these little catchphrases. It says, this July, and I took screenshots with my phone. This July, not every God has a plan. Yeah, I'm like, hello. I'm going to talk about that on Sunday. No, it says it jokingly because the Thor movies have become kind of comedy and action. They're really fun and, you know, they're, they're a good time. But I thought it's interesting. So it's not like only Christians in church on Sunday talk about God's plan. Everybody's talking about God's plan. Whether they're thinking about it at a deep level or not, everyone's familiar with this idea. So how can I know God's plan for me? See, that one question will lead to a lot of other different questions. Like, how can I know God's plan for me? What does it mean when it says that God has a plan? Maybe it leads to other questions like this. Maybe you're new to faith. And you go, does God have a plan for me? Maybe you're young. Maybe you're in your teens or your 20s, early 30s. And you're asking yourself, well, if that's true, how can I find out God's plans? I want to know how to find out these plans, because if I can figure out these plans, I have a lot of pivotal crossroads I'm going to face in my life. It would be really helpful to know what's God's plan for my life before I pick my major. It would be really helpful to know God's plan for my life before I go on my date next Wednesday with this person. I would like to know. Maybe you're a little bit further along in life. You ask different questions of, no, it was God's plan for me, but what if it's, I wonder if I've missed God's plan for my life? Is it too late for God's plan for my life? And maybe you're somebody, you've lived a lot of life and you made some mistakes along the way, some small and some big. And you might be asking yourself, did I ruin God's plans for my life? See, there's a lot of different questions in this one question. So let's start here. What does the Bible say about God and his plans, even to start with? What starts here? First off, you got to know God is a planner. God is a planner. 
I want to know where are my planners at in the room? Like there are people who love to make plans and people who just like to fly by the seat of their pants. Where are my planners at? My type A people. Awesome. Great. All of you have pens in your hand because you're taking notes, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> now every family is full of different types of people. So there are my planners. Where are my more spontaneous, just go with it folks, right? Isn't it fun to go on vacation together, right? Yep. <laughs> yep. Right. And my family, we're full of planners and we're full of spontaneous people. My mom and my dad, they're planners. My brother plans nothing. The restaurant that he owns, the catchphrase for his restaurant is literally called Just Chill. That's his time. Okay. So we have to negotiate a little, this a little bit. How many of you, the best part of a new year um, isn't necessarily a New Year's Eve party or the ball dropping or making resolutions, but you get to go buy a new really cool planner every year. Where are those people at? All my teachers. Yes. Yes. I saw both hands right there. I saw that. And so, you know, this, this is a thing. I want you to know today, God is a planner and he's really good at it too. Here's what I mean by God is a planner. I mean that God decides and designs what he's going to do in advance. He not only decides what he wants to do, he designs how he's going to do it in advance. He is a great planner and a detailed planner. If you look at scriptures, if you just look at plan, just do a word search there, you first see that God has spatial plans. Like he gave Noah the plan for the ark, the exact dimensions and measurements. He did that with the tabernacle. He did that with the temple. He did that in the last book of the Bible, Revelation, with the New Jerusalem and that prophetic message that came, uh, that was revealed to the Apostle John. God is a planner, but more than spatial plans or architectural plans, God is grand, huge, sweeping, strategic plans. He's a wonderful strategic planner. And his biggest strategic plan of all is how to save the world. Theologians call this the plan of salvation. Here's another verse here, 1 Peter 1.20. The apostle Peter says, he, Jesus, was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. That is the most long-term, long-term planning I've ever seen. Before the world began, God made plans. Wow. So the point here is that God is orderly, that God has ideas, he has vision for what he wants to accomplish in the world, he has decided and designed how he wants to do things in advance. He is the great planner of all planners, and all type A people said, <laughs> God loves type B people like me, he does, he, likes, he loves us too. So but not only that, does God make detailed plans and grand sweeping plans, God makes personal plans too. In fact, plans that are intricately involved in the details of every single human life. This is part of when Christians say God is omnipotent and he's all-powerful. It doesn't mean how big his biceps are. It also means he has infinite intelligence and capacity to plan personal parts of people's lives. So not only is God a planner, God makes good plans. Good plans. Personal plans. Check this out. It's a lot of people's favorite Bible verse. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. And now God is speaking here to ancient Israel, but it does apply to individuals as well. And he says this here, for I know the plans I have for you, for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope 
hope and a future plans that means that your tomorrow can be better than your yesterday. To give you a future to prosper you and bless you, not to harm you. God makes good plans. Part of my job as a pastor is to help teach people, help convince people about the truth of Jesus, that he is who he says he is, and that God exists and wants a relationship with him. And oftentimes when people cross that barrier and that threshold, that God exists and wants a relationship with him, the next threshold for them to cross is for me to help convince them with the help of the Holy Spirit that God not only exists, but he's wildly good beyond your wildest dreams. And his plans for you that flow out of the goodness of his heart. I know this to be true, not because I've just read it in a book. I've seen it with my eyes since I was a boy. Um, I talk about my family a lot. I was really blessed and fortunate to be born to the family I was born into. Uh, my mom, Sue, many of you know her. She and my dad are here all the time. They're, um, they're on vacation right now. Hi, mom. Hi, dad. And uh, I remember being a boy. Growing up. Now, my mom, for most of my childhood, was a preschool teacher at the church we attended. And because she just loves kids. And she has the tenderest, softest, sweetest heart of just anybody I know. And um, my mom saw in the horizon that college was coming for my brother. And I began to think, I think I might need to make more money than my preschool teacher salary. Because newsflash, being a preschool teacher isn't the most lucrative job in America. And so she decided, I think it's time for me to make a little bit more money along with my dad to help pay for college and whatnot for my brother and I. And so she prayed about it, and God put Jeremiah 29.11 as a verse on her heart. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, to give you hope in a future. And, um, and she felt like God was leading her. It's okay. Once you step out of your preschool job, go take a job in the private sector, go take a job in a, a secular job. And she did. And um, she loved it first. In fact, her very first day on the job, the woman who was training her had a little card on the outside of her computer screen where she was doing training in a cubicle. And on the card, it said, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. It was confirmation. My mom's like, I'm, I'm, I'm on, I'm on it. This is part of God's plan. Well, four months go by and she got a new boss. Uh-oh. Anybody here ever gotten a new boss before? Mm. And this person was so unkind and unprofessional and demeaning to her and just, it just broke her heart. And if you know my mom, she's the nicest person and the kindest person on the face of the planet. I don't know how anybody is unprofessional and unkind to Sue Johnston. Like, shame on them, right? Jesus loves them too, but I don't like them, so whatever. <laughs> and... um. And she, I remember, I'll never forget this scene in my head. She was sitting at the dinner table with me and my brother and my dad, the four of us around our round kitchen table, sobbing one night at dinner. Going, God, I thought this was your plan. You ever felt that way before? And she was like, Lord, what are you doing? And she was processing that and praying in front of me. When you see this as a child and watch somebody, a parent, walk their own faith journey, it teaches you. So lo and behold, check out what happened. Right around that exact time, at our home church where she used to work, the family ministries department called her and said, we have this job. We think you're the only person for it. 
Would you please come and do this? It's not being a preschool teacher. We need you full-time on our staff helping run our family ministries and our whole department. It is the perfect job for my mom at that exact time. And here's the kicker. It dawned on my mom, but I thought, God, you wanted me to go do this job. It was confirmed. There was a card on a monitor. It was all there. And she was there four months, and then she realized this wasn't the end goal. It was this job. And I know I would have never taken this job if I was still in that old job. I had to get out of this job to go to this one to where God would get my attention for this new job. And so I remembered that same dinner table. My mom crying tears, not of sorrow and confusion, but tears of joy. Thanking God, Lord, your plans for me are good. You know what I need and you know my heart's desire and your plans are good. When you're watching that as a middle schooler, watching somebody weep tears of gratitude in the presence of Jesus for his good plans, that leaves a mark on you. God makes good Good plans. Now, I know what some of you are asking, but what, what about bad things that happen? What about when bad things happen to good people? What happens when bad things happen to me? Come back in a couple weeks. We'll answer that then. See what I did there? <laughs> Come back. We are going to talk about that. Now, these good plans are conditional, guys. These are conditional. God does not force good plans on everybody. He's not going to make these good things happen to you. These are conditional in Scripture. And so these are four people. Like, I say yes to whatever you want from my life. And God says, great, bring it on. And he brings these plans. So not only is God a planner, and he's a really good planner, but here's the thing that will throw some of you for a loop. God's plans are flexible. God is flexible with his plans. And this is really good news, too. Now, Christians believe different things about this, and we'll all be in heaven, but this is our church's take on these things. If you read Scripture carefully, you'll notice that God sometimes changes his plan. Sometimes God has a plan and then says he has a backup plan. Why would you need a backup plan if you're God? Sometimes God will let people negotiate with him about his plan, and he lets people win the negotiations, like he did with Moses, like he did with Hezekiah. This throws you for a loop where God doesn't have these plans that he rules with an iron fist. They actually are flexible, which is really good news, especially for anybody here who's ever really blown it and messed up in life. There's this story from the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 18 where the Lord tells him, hey, go down to the potter's house and look in the window. I want to show you something. And so the prophet Jeremiah goes to a potter's shop, goes to his studio, and he sees a potter making a pot, just like what they do on the wheel. And as he's watching it, the clay kind of gets weak and then falls in on itself and collapses. Now, anybody here who's ever worked with any medium ever, you know when a project goes sideways. It happens to everybody, right? Yeah. Now, the potter, when Jeremiah was watching, didn't go, ah, and take the clay and threw it off the wheel. The potter went, hmm. And this marred jar that would have been a jar, and he pushed it down and started over again and made something different that was still pleasing to the potter. And this is a profound lesson about the plans of God. 
Because then the Lord said this to Jeremiah, and he wrote it down in verse 6. He told him, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does? Declares the Lord, like clay in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. See, this is such a perfect picture of life and a beautiful picture of God's grace. Life combined with our brokenness and our fragility, because sometimes I've broken my own life, right? Your brokenness creates brokenness. And sometimes life just happens to us and breaks us. Anybody here been touched by life or life has just happened to you? Oh, yeah. This is a perfect picture of our brokenness and what life does at the same time and how it seems to mar and cause what God originally intended to do in our life to just cave in and fall in on itself. And when life breaks apart and you feel like hope is lost and what God had intended to do for your life has been lost and ruined, the enemy of your soul will come to you and say, look at you, you screwed it up. You ruined it, it's over. Now you just have to settle for third, fourth, or fifth best the rest of your life. But God says, I can make something new out of this. When the enemy tells you it's over, you ruined it, God says, it's not ruined. I'll make something new. The enemy will tell you it's over. And God will tell you, you gave your life to me. And because it belongs to me, it's mine, and I'm going to make it awesome. See, God's plans are flexible. His purposes are eternal for your life, that you would know him, that you would serve him that you would glorify him, that you would become like him, that you would help bring his kingdom here on earth. This is good news. If you've blown it in life, if you're not dead, God's not done yet. Amen? So I want you to know that God is a master planner, that his plans are so good and so full of grace for the sinner and the screw-up. I want you to know that this, so your heart will burn to get in on God's plans for you. So back to our original question, how do you do this? I told you we'd come back to it at the end. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. And he will make, does it say plan? What does it say? Path. And he will make your path straight. I want you to know a key principle here. If you want to know God's plans for your life, God very rarely reveals his plans, but he always reveals the path. He always shows you the next two or three steps to take to do the next right thing and the next right thing and the next right thing. And sooner or later, when you turn around and see the path that the Lord has put you on, and you see the beauty of all of his plans for you unfolding, he won't tell you his plan. He'll always show you the path. So here's the bottom line. Let go of your plans. Your plans are boring. Follow God for the path. In fact, there's this old Christian song. If you've been around for a hot minute, it might win the record for the cheesiest Christian song of all time or the most awesome Christian song of all time, depending on what era you're from. But tell me if you remember this. It's this old school Christian song called The Great Adventure by Stephen Curtis Chapman. Does anybody remember it? See, you laugh. You laugh, right? This is how cheesy goes. This is literally how it starts. He goes, saddle up your horses. 
Oh, it's so bad. We've got a trail to blaze through the wild blue yonder of God's amazing grace. But listen to this. Let's follow our leader into the glorious unknown. This is the life like no other. This is the greatest journey that the human heart will ever see. The love of God will take us far beyond our wildest dreams. This is the great adventure. Let go of your plans. They're boring. Follow God for the path. It's the greatest adventure your life could ever possibly see beyond your wildest dreams. So let go of your plans. Follow God for the path. How do you do that? Three quick, simple things. Three practices for the path. Quit trying to find out God's plan. Practice the path. One, don't just look for the voice of God. Look for a verse. I teach people about prayer. I believe in hearing from God. But I think the biggest thing people skip over is God has already talked a lot. And people are like, God, I just want to know your will for my life. God, I don't know what I should do. And man, if they just open up this book and read it a little bit more, God has already spoken about some of these things. And just get a verse instead of a voice. I read a statistic last night, 29 million people quit reading their Bible regularly during COVID. Get back on the horse. When you pray, so get your nose in the Bible. Find out what God says about the decisions you're making. When you pray, don't just ask God, give me guidance. Show me what decision to make. Don't do that. Say, God, give me wisdom for this decision. James 1.5 says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, i.e. you don't know what to do, ask God for wisdom. And he will generously give to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Wisdom is not only getting the answer from God. Wisdom is learning how God thinks. If you want to find the path to ride on with God, go and say, God, show me what to do. Say, God, teach me how you think. Last one, follow the peace. Follow the peace. And what I mean by that, I don't mean, if it feels good, it must be from God. And I don't mean just follow your heart because scripture says your heart is deceitful above all things. And I know people go, I followed my heart and I burned my life down. I'm not saying that. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. And when he leads you to decisions, he says, this is the path I want you to take. It will be saturated with the presence of Jesus and with perfect peace. As Philippians says, peace that surpasses understanding. And it would just be dripping in it. And let me tell you, some of the most difficult decisions I've ever made in my entire life were very hard, but they were overwhelmingly filled with the peace and presence of the Prince of Peace. And follow the presence of God. And man, if you're doing your best to trust him and to lean out in your own understanding and to submit to him, he'll make your path straight. And then you look behind you and see all that God has done. And you will enjoy his good and wonderful, awesome plans for your life. I hope you want it. It's a great adventure. Would you pray with me? Lord, here's my simple prayer. Give us grace now to trust you with our hearts. 
Give us grace to quit leaning on our own plans and our own understanding. Give us grace to submit to you in all of our ways. And Lord, we worship you because you're the God who makes straight paths that leads us into your plans and purposes. It's in your name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you would overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Friends, we'll see you next weekend. Thanks for coming.